The views, thoughts and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely that of the podcast contributor and not that of Shine or Sea Change. Welcome back everyone to another episode of the Sea Change Sessions with A Little Gale. My name is Abigail McDonnell and this podcast is about all things mental health, how we can break the stigma, how we can normalize the conversation and just be more open with each other about how we're feeling. Um, we find it's really important here at Sea Change and that's kind of our whole message. But this week we are talking about exclusion um the impact of exclusion how dangerous it can be and how it can feel and to do that we're with two three not just two but three amazing sea change ambassadors this week um and i'm delighted to have them on with me we have shari mcdade linda garvin and james o'connor so i'm going to start with uh shari how are you doing today brilliant yeah the sun is shining and i'm making the most of it absolutely fantastic well shari would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself and how you became a sea change ambassador yeah, um, I've been working in mental health for over 20 years as, a, as an advocate, and um, I ended up leading Ireland's National Coalition on Mental Health, Mental Health Reform, for about six years. And uh, But attached to that uh, in the back background really was that I myself had been experiencing panic attacks since I was 16. So I had personal experience, but through the journey, I had never really been very vocal about my own personal experience. And then having stepped back from being uh, in that leadership role, I felt that uh, now was a good time to be able to kind of be upfront and, and support the, the Green Ribbon campaign as an ambassador. Amazing, fantastic. And Shari, for those of you who don't know, Shari's done absolutely amazing work. I don't know if you know, if remember Shari, but we actually met on a call at I think last year, the year before, to kind of talk about life after COVID with mental health. Um, and the work you're doing is amazing. And I'm so delighted you're here to join us as an ambassador. So thank you. And uh, Linda, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Looking at the sunshine as well. I know, amazing. God, we're all we're all feeling the Friday, <laughs> Friday feelings for sure. Um, but Linda, same question. Can you tell us about yourself and how you became a sea change ambassador? Yeah, um, so I'm a, a mum, I'm separated and um, I'm self-employed. I have my own business, which I only set up in the last few years. Um, I would be uh, similar to um, Shari in that I've struggled with my mental health depression mainly um, since I was about, I was diagnosed in my late teens. And then in the last five years, I've struggled really badly with anxiety and panic attacks. And for me, I've always been open about my mental health. And I guess what I found was that once I initiated that conversation and mentioned that I struggled with my mental health, other people seemed to find it safe and um, to open up about struggles that they were having or somebody that they knew were having. And for me, I just wanted to be able to reach more people, I suppose, and highlight to people that there are lots of people struggling we just aren't talking about it mm -hmm. and that you can have a very successful happy life you know whilst you're trying to juggle your mental health difficulties and sea change just ticked all the boxes for me yeah so amazing thrilled yeah well, we're delighted to have you here, Linda. And for those listening, Linda has the most amazing wellness business company. I love it. And with Linda's permission, we will put that link in the bio because I love following Linda, her positivity. She's so open and I 100% agree with her. It's like a ripple effect. Yeah. 
know when you are open and when you're positive to begin with um about all sorts of things so thank Thanks, you so Abigail. much for joining us Linda James how are you doing good good a lot of you are fantastic fantastic well listen James I'd love to know how you became a sea change ambassador um well I, I had my own mental health difficulties in my younger years um I I I survived a suicide attempt after I my little girl died and I had a breakdown in my relationship. Um, and then I suppose many years passed and but two 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 young people I, I knew fairly well um ended their lives and I suppose it sparked something in me that maybe if they knew that if they knew my story that maybe they could have talked to me or maybe they would have no one to reach out or maybe just realize even that, that you can come out the other side. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I really, really appreciate you sharing that with us, James, because it's never an easy thing to talk about, no matter how long has passed in any of those situations. And just to kind of highlight like James is, I think James is one of our sea change heroes because he has done so much in in your town of Tullamore, um, lighting it up absolutely every year for for the Green Ribbon um, month, and we're so glad to have you with us. Um, but this week's episode kickstarts our ninth Green Ribbon campaign, and we're focusing, of course, on the topic of exclusion. Um, and with all of us being sea change ambassadors here, it's important to get that lived experience because yeah, we can go to. Wikipedia or the dictionary and look up that definition but it never translates about how we feel and um, so Linda I'm going to turn to you would you be able to describe exclusion for listeners who may have never felt excluded in their lives? Yeah I think for me it's about not feeling part of something or, or not belonging um, and I think we see it from the very young age, you know, exclusion in the school playground and, you know, you're not asked to be friends with somebody. And it's it's the exact same feeling for me, you know, of not, not being included, not being part of a group um, and just feeling isolated and segregated and alone. And it hurts. It, mm -hmm. it hurts so much mm -hmm. to be an adult and to still have those feelings that you feel like you're behaving like a child but it it hurts mm -hmm. and that's the thing with exclusion as well as other mental health difficulties it, it doesn't discriminate in in what age like people will still exclude no matter what age yeah and I love that point about belonging as well because this is a thing that's actually been looked at and um, in workplaces now it was always diversity and inclusion diversity and inclusion but now they're adding belonging to have that feeling of belonging is so important even though yeah. you're air quotes included it doesn't mean you belong in that yeah. sense which is really difficult Shari how would you describe what being excluded feels like well I I think talking about workplaces is a really good place to to get a sense of what it feels like mm -hmm. because um, when I'm thinking about my recent experiences even in my current job and we're talking about how will we all gather for a social gathering, you know, with, with the restrictions lifted. And that's going to be a challenge for me because I find social gatherings challenging. I'm going to have to travel to this gathering. I find travel challenging. 
and it can be very hard sometimes without you know to to participate in that kind of conversation because i know there's this whole other set of issues that i have to deal with that are not being raised in the conversation and not being acknowledged in the conversation so in that sense you know it can be very subtle in the way that people exclude without realizing or and definitely without intending to exclude but they may not realize that for some people the ordinary to on a daily basis you know get up and go to work and go to the office could be challenging for somebody could be quite stressful or quite quite difficult mm -hmm. and um so i think that's way that's a way that people can be excluded in a very subtle way of mm -hmm. course there's the extreme end of exclusion of uh, bullying victimization discrimination and i think we shouldn't forget those sides of it as well because they um, are very very harmful um, and it can be they can have lifelong kind of harmful consequences for people's mental health and well-being and, and self-esteem and and all of that so i think we we need to acknowledge that there's this spectrum of exclusion and you know for it can it can range from those kind of tiniest moments of not feeling like you belong to the group to being refused a, a job because someone sees something on your cv or you say something in the interview that they they are not as comfortable with as they ought to be mm -hmm. definitely and i completely agree that it is all on a spectrum and when you look at kind of every aspect we go through in our lives there is an element of or there can be an element of exclusion there um, which people experience every day, whether that be through race, through gender, through where a person is from, where they're living. Um, you know, like it's we see it all the time, not just with mental health, but I think it's it's really important to to talk about it. And just coming off um the back of last month as well, talking about these uncomfortable things. Um, but James, what does exclusion feel like or how can you describe it in your case? I suppose in my, in my case, I can give you a real-life example of exclusion. Um, now, exclusion, I suppose, for me, um, a lot of things I would have felt before I shared my story that I would have been excluded from, mm -hmm. a lot of it was in my own head. Um, maybe maybe situations I dreamed up of how they would have worked out and whatever. So I kept things to myself. But a real-life example of exclusion was, I remember when I was 21, and I needed, I, um, I, I worked for myself, but um, we were obtaining uh, finance. And I needed a life, I needed to upgrade my life cover. And when I went to the, to meet, to meet, to meet the guy for the, to get the, the life cover off, I'll never forget, um, I'll, I'll never forget the way I was, I was treated or the words he used. Um, he basically told me because I was answering general questions like, have you any, have you any medical history? No. Um, have you, you know, he asked, have you ever been, have you any, had any mental health problems? I answered yes. And we got, and he stopped in there and then. He said, well, we won't be covering you. And I said, what, like, what do you mean you won't be covering me? And I, he said, well, it's not. We, we just won't be covering you. It's not something we do. And I said, well, sure, you have to cover me. I said, sure, I'm a customer. I'm going to upgrade my policy. Oh, well, 
we we won't be covering you. And I said, but sure, if I was sick, you'd have a race for my sickness. And a different type of sickness, you'd have a race. He said, you must be able to give me a quote. And um, his answer was, well, whatever quote we give you, it'll be that dear that you won't want it. And he more or less got up and left me. And there is a, a perfect example of what I feel as uh, mm-hmm. exclusion. And and how does that leave you feeling, James? I was furious. I, mm. I actually made a complaint. I actually made a number of complaints about it because right. it, 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 I was I was twenty one, I think, when that happened. And I remember I remember I went to the financial institution which I was dealing with at the time. They 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 were very good now, they were horrified. And um, I would have a very good uh, what would you say, relationship with them and still do. Um, but like they couldn't believe how I was treated. And um, I got an apology when I say an apology, but it wasn't it it, it was an apology. It was a, a it was a box ticking exercise from yeah. the guy. The guy had a, a bias towards me because of what I told him. Now I don't think it was the company's view or whatever, whatever reason, but he had a he seemed to have a particular bias even in the way I was apologized to. So there there's a there's there's a prime example in everyday life of exclusion. Mm-hmm. Um exactly. because if if I if I had a different type of sickness there would be a quote available or a premium available mm-hmm. statistically for that type of sickness, but I was excluded based on my my mental ill health. Mm-hmm. 100%. If you had gone in and said, well, I have asthma and I have yeah. bad knees and I broke my back maybe 10 years ago, you know, like yeah. there, there would have been a price. Uh, the, fact that, price yeah. the fact that you were seen as too much of a risk um, seen in this stigmatized view is is really really horrible and thank you for sharing that with us because it's I was going to say it's 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 just it's wild to think that this happens and it has happened um, but that's exactly what exclusion is and it comes from a place of um, uneducation and fear and stigma and you know and that's why we have to talk about it more but when we're talking about the impact exclusion can have on a person's mental health what do you think that impact is Shari? Well I think um, for myself I think the experience is that it can hold you back and it make you feel you know a bit uncomfortable in a group situation Mm -hmm. but I think also it it can hold you back from uh, potentially from pursuing your dreams and pursuing your potential you know your your own your own ability to contribute contribute in society Mm -hmm. so like for instance um, even though I was never overtly discriminated against I saw myself as someone that was not capable of taking on a CEO role I thought oh I suffer from panic attacks I won't be able to do this I won't be able to cope and I was wrong Mm -hmm. you know but I had kind of cut myself out of the the picture cut myself out of the picture because I had absorbed ideas from other people about you know people who experience panic won't be able to cope in a crisis or won't be able to deal with the pressure all of those prejudices had invaded my own mind um, so 
I'm very, very lucky that I was working in a mental health charity at the time and that I was really encouraged and supported to, to go forward for a leadership role. Um, but I think that a lot of people don't necessarily get that encouragement. And so I, I think it's something we really need to foster, you know, to, to shift mindsets, even if someone doesn't see themselves as going forward for leadership to be able to say, actually, I know that you have this, you know, experience, this, this way of living, mm -hmm. but I think you, you still have all the potential of being able to be a leader and, and let's give it a go and let's try it. So, yeah. yeah. Definitely. And it's, it's funny seeing the, the closeness and the similarities between stigma and exclusion and the way that we see exclusion and we see stigma and then we apply it to ourselves in self-stigma and self-exclusion. And I can relate to that completely, Shari, because I've never necessarily been discriminated against in a really overt, obvious way, but I would have applied that self-exclusion to myself saying, oh, I could never do that. I can't do that because I've seen A and B and C do that and they were excluded, you know? So it's society kind of molds us in a way to 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 the way we see things you know um it's very easy and it's it's very difficult not to take these kind of views on board which is why it's so important that people are kind of more accepting in that sense um but linda i want to turn to you why do you think it's important to talk about exclusion in terms of kind of mental health why is it important to kind of normalize that conversation i think it's important to talk about it because like everything that has been done in the mental health world up to now is about having discussions mm -hmm. that haven't been had before and until we have those discussions you know and get uncomfortable and become vulnerable and open and honest then nothing is going to change and there are lots of topics that people don't necessarily want to talk about you know especially in Catholic Irish families, sex education, you know, um, bullying, loads of things like that. But we have them because we know it's the right thing to do to mm -hmm. educate people. Mm -hmm. And I think this is one of those scenarios that, you know, you can exclude people and you can be excluded for what people would see as they're trying to do the right thing. You know, yeah. you may not be invited to events or social gatherings because people feel that you may not want to go or you may not be able to drink or you don't seem that to be, you know, feeling well. But it's still exclusion. You're still not being included in the decision making. And yeah. I, I think that it's really important that we start having those conversations. And as somebody who self excludes very much, when I am not feeling well, I immediately retreat, you know, into my safe space. I don't want to talk to anybody. Don't want to, you know, I, I would almost even shut out my partner who is amazing. I just can't deal with anybody at that time. Mm -hmm. But I have learned that I've had to explain why I'm excluding myself mm -hmm. to other people and explain because they're equally as hurt. When I exclude myself as I would be if they excluded me yeah. so it's it's all about having conversations and talking about our feelings you know and we're just not great at it but we need yeah. to get better it's funny because I actually never thought about those kind of 
passive acts of of uh, exclusion in terms of oh let's not invite her because she wouldn't want to go anyway and she's not going to go because she's nervous or she's going to have a panic attack so she's going to say no she always says no like but well, I okay yes. <laughs> let's give them the choice and you know I feel like we've probably all done that in some stage of our life saying oh no we won't invite them because they're, they're going to say no they say no every day we're not going to invite them give that person the choice and that empowerment to do so if they say no that is what is best needed for them because it's their choice you know and you just kind of have to leave it at that but I've never thought about exclusion in that way when people think they're doing the right thing or maybe they're just fed up asking but just give the person the power to do so you know and that brings that inclusive inclusivity back into it um but James, turning to you, we're, we're talking, obviously, we're sea change. We talk about stigma. It's We talk about it all the time because we're going to break it. We're going to get there. But do you think that stigma and the language that is stigmatizing plays a big role in exclusion? Yeah, like there's, yeah, there's, there's like people use it all the time. Like the weather's crazy. And, you know, it, 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 you know, the, the traffic's mental. And, you know, these, these type of things. Like, but, like, while they say it, and it's, it's pretty harmless to them, but it could be very offensive to somebody else mm-hmm. in, in the way they're using it or trig, trigger something that's very offensive for them. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think the, 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 the words people use in certain situ- situations do cause stigma and, and exclusion. Mm-hmm, 100%. But what does support look like for someone who is feeling excluded? And what does... That, what can that be for each person? Because for each person, that's very, very different. Linda, I'm going to turn to you on this one. What does that support kind of look like? I think that support looks like how it looks for anybody who has any other type of illness. So mm-hmm. if somebody's had to have their appendix removed, if somebody's broken their arm or their leg, they're at home, they're not at work, they generally get messages from people saying, you know, heard what happened or just thinking of you, hope you're feeling better soon. Those simple messages. Mm -hmm. You're at home and you're sick because of a mental health issue. Those messages just don't come. Well, that's my experience of it. Mm -hmm. And that's from somebody who's been very open about their mental health. Um, Yeah, you don't get any of the messages. You don't get people inquiring. Only maybe two or three very, very close friends but other than that, so I want, I want the same support of, you know, I want those messages. I want to know that people care about me. I want to know that people miss me. And I want from an exclusion point of view as well. I want people, you know, I'm already excluding myself. So I need you to make an even bigger effort than normal to include me. Yeah. I've actually noticed that as well. And sometimes you've you've probably realized from even things like Instagram and the internet and things like that, sometimes all the messages come from the strangers and actually the people that you don't know too well saying, I hope you're okay, you're well, rather than the people close to you. Um, And sometimes that's hurtful because you're thinking, why aren't these people supporting me? Or they know that I need the the kind of reassurance in that sense. but again, that's another thing to do with relationships. I recently made these amazing friends and one of the days they had something up on their Instagram and I immediately got a text saying, don't worry, we're actually not out. That's a picture from last week. And I thought, 
wow, isn't that so nice? Like that is exactly the small pedantic thing that my brain needed to think, okay, I'm actually, I'm not being excluded right now. That's a picture from last week when they were out. How lovely is that? And that's what support felt like for me because it was very, it was strange for probably a lot of people, um, but it was very catered to what I need. Um, So I was so happy to feel that. Everybody wants to be seen and to feel seen and to feel heard, you know, because invisible is probably the worst thing to feel. Mm-hmm. And I, I think a lot of people with mental health difficulties, that's how they feel a lot of the time. They just feel invisible. Yeah. And, and that's another thing, just being heard. Sometimes you don't even want a response. It's just that acknowledgement. Um, but Shari, what does that support? Like, what would that look like for you in terms of not being excluded? Well, I think I'm thinking about workplaces and I'm thinking as well about organizations that provide services for people. And for those of both of those situations, it's so important that we start by listening to people who have lived experience, that we start by creating spaces where we can ask them to shape what the support is that they need. So Um, If it's a workplace that we're creating a space where people with lived experience of mental health difficulties can get together, can form recommendations and suggestions for that workplace as to what is going to help to respond and make them feel more included. And I think that has to be a really important starting point, both for places where we work so that someone comes to me and I probably don't want to come up with the whole solution myself. I would rather talk to others of my colleagues as well who might have a mental health experience and say, let's get together and talk about how we would suggest this workplace becomes more welcoming. Um, But the same if I'm going to a service and I'm receiving that service. So many times in services, they have the best of intentions, but they also don't necessarily realize how they might be excluding people. So in in those cases as well, I think it's really important that we create spaces for people who have the potential, the risk of having been excluded to get together and make their suggestions as to, and shape the response of the organization. And then one other part of that that I think is so important is to have models and uh, models throughout the organization, um, models throughout the workplace that are showing it's okay to talk about mental health. So like right from the top, but not only at the top, you know, that every manager, that the CEO, that everyone is bringing mental health into the conversation on an ongoing basis, acknowledging their own challenges with distress or emotions or whatever, so that um, it becomes something that that in itself creates the space for people to feel more included and more comfortable with talking about their own experience. So that kind of positive, welcoming environment set you know, set through management, set through leadership that can help to support people to to be open. I think that's really helpful. And it's interesting because I think most people, perhaps in organizations or businesses, don't even realize that pretty, really small things can exclude people. 
And it's not a direct way of excluding them, but it's them saying, okay, I know this is going to happen in this situation, so I'll avoid it. Like you were speaking of earlier, Shari, I know I'm going to have to travel to this situation, so I will avoid it. That's not something that someone would take into account a lot of the time. Um, and the only way that we can take these things into account is by having involving everyone in a decision-making process in these sort of things and giving the control back to others. Um, a while ago, I was involved with an organization, a mental health organization, and we were all, it was casual in the sense that people would be giving each other hugs pre-COVID times, of course. Um, but there was a, a board who was a hugger, who was a handshake person, who didn't have any touch at all with other people, who was just a high five, like, stuff like that is needed <laughs> it is you know like it, it it sounds so simple and it may sound childish but to someone who is going through something and can be triggered by an unwanted hug an unwanted pat on the shoulder uh, even a handshake it's it's necessary you know and these things will exclude people if they're saying okay i'm not going to go to that because i know i'm going to get a hug or something like that that's the kind of an, an indirect way of exclusion in, in that sense um, James, just turning to you, we're, we're talking about obviously the support for someone who is feeling excluded. What do you think that looks like for you? I suppose I would be, I run a company myself for a business, so mm -hmm. I would be very supportive of anyone, obviously from, because of my background. But I would, always, I would always make everyone feel welcome and I would always, I would always, um, if anyone ever had an issue, they could, they could talk about it or I'd make it. I'd make it aware that, that that it could be talked about as well because a lot of the time you just need to know or be open to listen to someone. Mm -hmm. I think being open to listen in any organisation or in any, even if it's a friend, just being open to listen can be can solve a lot of problems. 100%. And, and the non-judgment that comes with it as well is really important because like, like we're saying, if someone says, actually, I... I don't do hugs or I don't do handshakes saying okay that's fine instead of saying what you don't do this and you don't do or you're not drinking and geez what's wrong with you you must be pregnant huh? as if they as they always say Ireland's like no actually I'm just I don't want to do that um which is another conversation we can have a huge chat about um Ireland and the drinking culture but we'll leave that to another day and mm -hmm. um, but it's important to have that non-judgment aspect as well because that's the thing that makes people feel comfortable um, and hopefully that's the kind of conversations we're, we're creating here. Um, but for any listeners out there who, who want to be more inclusive and kind of avoid that exclusion, Linda, what would you say that they could do to become more inclusive? I think it's all about self-awareness. It's all about becoming aware of the language that you're using, the assumptions that you're making, and even though nobody likes to admit it, the judgments that we're making, and we all do it. Yeah. We do it all the time. Um, every one of us, you know, myself included, we do make judgments. And then where it becomes really significant and where it impacts people is in your behaviors. Yeah. So it's how you start behaving then towards other people. And, you know, that stigmatizing behavior, the exclusion, um, you know, all of those things, they have an impact. So I think it begins with just being aware and catching yourself and kind of just pausing and taking a step back and rewinding and saying, right, I'm going to approach this differently. And, and it, you may not do it, you know, on the first go, but you may go home and reflect on something and go, do you know, the next time now, 
I'm going to do this differently. I'm going to handle it differently. Definitely. Or what can I do to be more, to be more just kind and empathic to somebody, you know, like I've never had cancer, but that doesn't prevent me from having empathy with somebody who has, mm-hmm. or who is going through that journey. Mm-hmm. And I think mental health difficulties are the same. You may never fully understand how a person is feeling, but you can still empathize that they're going through a difficult period in their life. And that's all it takes. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. Uh, James, what would you say um, to listeners who want to be more inclusive? How can they do that? Um, On a a, a personal level, level, I suppose I thought, I thought, I, I, buried my head in the sand in this in the sense because it's the Irish thing to do and I didn't tell anyone about my difficulties. Mm-hmm. A very few people knew. So I think I think we have a part to play in helping people mm-hmm. talk about it. So I suppose for me I, I used to have a fear that um if I shared my story that for example that people wouldn't no longer give me work because obviously I work for myself and stuff like that. But yeah. in actual fact, when I opened up to them and I let them know or I gave them a nugget, mm-hmm. well, like it hasn't had, it it hasn't been as bad as I as I thought. It, it actually hasn't been, pe- people people were great, mm-hmm. but I, I would have helped them along the way. So I think we have a part to play in, in helping people include, include our, ourselves. Yeah, 100%. And I think we can do that in all kind of areas of life like you see in terms of um kind of the lgbtqia plus community putting your pronouns in your emails on your twitter on your instagram it doesn't mean that you need to use them but you're putting it out there to be more inclusive it comes that way when we're talking about mental health as well just because maybe you don't need to or maybe you you feel kind of okay like doesn't mean you can't talk about it or be open about something that you want others to feel more included in um sorry what would you say in terms of kind of people being more inclusive how could they approach that well i think um linda and james have have said it very very well in in terms of um you know i i I really agree with linda that it's a lot of it is about people just pausing to reflect on what their assumptions are mm-hmm. and how they might be inadvertently um, excluding someone. Um, but then to take it to the next step, which is to to check in with that person, you know, to, to kind of check, check what they want um, and how you can be supportive. Uh, and I think, um, you know, I I need lots of reassurance. I need someone to say no, it's totally okay. Yeah. You know that you know you might not be able to travel or you know that you're going to need extra time, you know that you're going to need that extra day to to cope with the stress of it or whatever. I need someone to reassure me that that's okay because the norm in our society is that it's not. Yeah. So um so I think that kind of reassurance and yeah, being a bit proactive about um, acknowledging that you know it's totally okay to 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 be yourself and to mm-hmm. uh, be open about what your own needs are. I think that that reassurance can can help a lot. Yeah, definitely. And asking what people need as well, because sometimes when you're a person, especially with something like anxiety or 
kind of anything along kind of OCD family or depression, sometimes you actually know what which way you want to, to do things. So sometimes asking what you need is a really direct question saying, okay, actually, I need the reassurance now, or actually, I need to be left alone, or actually, I need my space. Just giving the person control is a huge thing and allows them to feel less excluded from their own life. Um, but guys, we're going to finish up. And of course, we always like to end on a message of hope because talking about mental health can be really heavy for a lot of people. Um, but Linda, I'd love to hear your message of hope for anyone out there who's listening today. Um, I think for me, my message is that you just don't know what the future is going to bring. And I spent from my late teens right up until about three years ago with very numerous um, instances of depression, anxiety, panic disorder, you know, I would say five, six fairly severe episodes a year. And the last three years for me have just been so stable. And I never thought I would ever get to a point in my life where I could say mm -hmm. that. And, you know, does it mean it's going to be like that forever? Who knows? I live in hope. But the message is that, yeah, you just don't know what the future brings. And I look back from when I would have been at my worst, I suppose, you know, hospitalized with depression. And I look at all the beautiful memories I have made since then. And, you know, it's that message of just hang on in there. There are people that feel similar. I'm not going to say the same because we all feel very differently, but we mm -hmm. feel similar we understand to a certain extent what you're going through. There are great people out there who just want to help and support you and just, you know, hang on in there and it, it, it will get better. Thank you, Linda. And, and James, what would your message of hope be? My message of hope would be a problem shared is a problem halved and there's always someone willing to help. And always be willing to have the conversation. Amazing. And Shari, what would your message of hope be today? I would really like to encourage anyone who's thinking that because they have a mental health difficulty or experience of a mental health difficulty, that they might not be able to step up and take on a significant challenge, mm -hmm. that they can, uh, and uh, that, that, that they can you know, potentially do a lot more, achieve a lot more, or become a lot more than, than in their own minds they think they're capable of. And it, certainly that would be my experience that I did not think, I seriously did not think that I could be a, a CEO of an organization. And uh, I, I think if I can do it, others can too, who, who are feeling that way. So um, I would just encourage everybody to you know, to, to take, even if it's a small step towards that uh, vision, you know, the, to, to give yourself the opportunity and the chance to do that and to, to reach out for the support that you need to do it as well. Mm -hmm. um, you, you just never know. You might end up being across from a government minister trying to change <laughs> the world. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I think being the change you want to see is, is hugely important. Um, there is a responsibility in terms of exclusion. We can't just sit back and say, I wish the world was like this. I wish it was this way. Then you be the change and maybe others will follow because a ripple effect always happens. Well, 
guys, thank you so much. This is the first episode of our Green Ribbon campaign. If anyone wants to know more about our amazing Green Ribbon campaign, you can check out our social media or visit seachange.ie on how to get involved, how to get your ribbons. If you want to pick up a green free, a green free, a free green ribbon, uh, you can do so in participating air stores, AIB branches, boot stores, and major Irish rail stations. Um, we're of course going to list all the kind of helplines, support lines that anyone wants down in the description bio if anyone needs after listening to this podcast. But guys, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you taking the time. And for those listening out there, stay safe take the first step on to not excluding someone and be the change you want to see in the world. Thanks guys. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.